What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Just Friends Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and this week we have another wonderful guest in the studio. He's a staff writer at Sports Radio America. He also writes for EastWestFootballNetwork.com. He's our friend, Mr. S.K. Patrick, or as I knew him in high school, Stephen Patrick. So we actually start off the podcast by saying that I met Steven in high school in Mr. Sewell's class, and we also played football together in high school. Back then, I used to think of him as just like my silly sophomore friend, because uh, he was a year younger than me, and he was fun to hang out with. But after hearing his story and thinking back about the Steven I used to know as a boy, and then comparing him to the man who sat across me when we made this conversation, I just feel so privileged to have friends like Steven who are just out there getting after it and trying their best to be the best versions of themselves every day. They have big dreams and big goals, and they're trying to get shit done. And that is Steven to a T. So we finish up the podcast with him letting you guys know all of the stuff that he's got cooking, and there's a lot of stuff. But while we're talking about projects... If you haven't already, you need to head over to JustFriendsPod.com and support my project, Just Friends Podcast. I mean, you're listening to it right now, so why not? JustFriendsPod.com, where you can find merch, there's t-shirts, and all that fun stuff. There's more information about the show. Of course, you can listen to every single episode that's been made. And most importantly, you can find links to the Patreon page, Patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts where you can become a supporter of the show and you can make sure that we keep making these podcasts for months and months and years and years. I couldn't do it without your all support and I appreciate you all so much. So check out the website, buy some merch. I've got about 50 of those three quarter length tees sitting in my back room right now. So if you want one of those, just holler at me. And while you're at it, check out the Facebook page, check out the Instagram page, share it with people, let them know what's going on. And of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, rate the show and leave us a review. We really, really appreciate it. It helps other people realize that they also want to be listening to Just Friends Podcast. So uh, thank you guys who have left us a review and all of you other people, please try to show us some love on those sites. It means more than you know. But I've spent enough time begging you guys to love me. Let's go ahead and get started with what turned out to be an amazing conversation with our friend, Mr. Stephen Patrick. So I guess we'll just start with how we met. Mr. Sewell's class and the or football. That's what it, that's what it is. It's interesting to even think about that. How'd you end up in that class? Because you were also a year younger than me. How did I end up in that class? It's a funny story because I wanted to be an engineer in high school. So I used to play Roller Toaster Tycoon. I used to go to all <laughs> these amusement parks. And I was just like, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to design these roller coasters when I get older. And do you remember Miss Iss? I want to say Miss Issing. Oh, I remember Tracy Issing very well. Physics yes. teacher? Oh, yeah. So I took her class senior year. And that's how I got into schools too. AutoCAD engineering. Mm-hmm. So I took physics and I was like, nah, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) I got to be in her class. I don't think I should have got to be. I think it was more so because she was cool with my mother who taught at PRP. But honestly, I was just like, this is way too much. And then doing AutoCAD, I got to be in there too. And I'm like, 
Mr. Sewell. <laughs> I should have got a C. <laughs> well, let's talk about Mr. Sewell. I mean, did you do you ever remember actually doing anything constructive? Do you remember ever there being like a uh, like assignment? A, no. <laughs> I, and, I, and I can't. It was sometimes. It seems like I would sit at a computer and it was something already up, and I just start doing stuff on that. And yeah. He just was like, "Okay, cool." Now, he was the coolest teacher. He understood. Half of y'all not really gonna use this. Seventy-five percent of y'all not really gonna use probably this. More than that, man. A hundred percent of y'all probably not gonna <laughs> use this. But you know, as long as you was a good student, yeah, and you know, and you gave effort and tried to k- grasp something, then I'm gonna work with you. And if you really deserve a D, I'm gonna give you a C. If you deserve a C, I'm gonna give you a B, et cetera, et cetera. But you kind of knew what you was. Yeah, I liked doing it. In there. It was. Fun. It was you, and it was um. The other lineman. Chris Berry. Chris Berry. I talked to Chris Berry about you today. That's funny. <laughs> he should have he came over. Hey, I, I tried. That's what I was trying to but, do. <laughs> um, but it was you two, because it was me, you, Adam Badger. Oh, yeah. Me, you, Adam Badger, Chris Berry. And it was, I feel like it was a female in there that we was cool with, too. It's Tiffany Shelburne? Maybe so. Or Brandy Von Cannell. Brandy. Yeah. It was Brandy that was in there, too. So it was good times. But, I mean, Mr. Sewell understood that this was hard. Yeah, and if you really can't grasp it, then as long as you try to grasp it, he was one of those teachers that you give effort, and I'm gonna reward you for your effort. Right. He was also just cool to hang out with and yeah. fun. Yeah, just outside because we could talk about football. Um, he's like, you know, what y'all do in practice? And well, if I was y'all coach, I would do this X, Y, and Z. And you know, I was like, <laughs> well, I wish you was our coach because Stinson gets on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> I worked for him <laughs> for like. <laughs> It was actually pretty cool, man. I don't know. Speaking of Stinson, I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you was there. It might have been. No, because my grades were bad sophomore year, so I got kicked off the team, and I didn't play junior year. So I didn't play your senior year. Mm. But my senior year, speaking of Stinson, we was playing manual, and I was on special teams, and I don't even know what I did, but I came off the field, and Stinson's yelling at me, and I'm yelling back at him, and he ended up kicking me out the game. <laughs> and then my friend Ern. He played basketball at Manuel. He, I was walking on the track, and he was like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I got kicked out the game. <laughs> he was like, what you get kicked out the game for? I was like, man, I don't even know, but we was losing anyways. I don't even care. Y'all got me messed up. The only, the only person I know who's gotten kicked out of the game uh, was Ryan Ray. I can't remember who we were playing, but uh, something happened. He got mad, and he took his helmet off. And it, he claims it was raining. It was raining. He claims his hands were wet. And it flew out of his hands, but it looked like he threw his helmet hard against like uh, the ground, and Coach Wolf kicked him out. Coach Wolf kicked him out. Mm. Hold on, it was yeah, Wolf, Wolf, because it was we had Leisure at first, my freshman year. Then he left. Yep. Yeah, it was Wolf because we was running that. Um, we was running. What was that offense we was running? It was um, because we had West Brown. West Brown. It was Jeray. Mm-hmm. It was. I think. Uh, Kev Deacon played quarterback, and then we had was it T Bone? No, I wasn't T. We played something, and I'm like, we got to stop running this because was it Wing T? It was Wing T. That's what it was, and I'm like, it's so predictable. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you first we had athletes back there, so when you first started running it, we was killing them. But I'm like, they know what we doing. Yeah, this, this is very predictable now. Well, my junior year of high school, I feel like was the year we were the best. And yeah, it was for sure. A, it was a year we had all those people you were just talking about. My sophomore about. year. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we, we went a heads up with Mayo. Good. We lost, we lost to all the good teams, but we was competitive against all of them. Right. 
But that was also the same year that Josh Deacon broke his wrist and Josh McLeod broke his wrist. I remember McLeod breaking his wrist. He, he hurt himself, so he was out also. I don't remember that. And so we were on like a third or fourth string quarterback. Like Dave West was taking snaps. You remember Dave West? I do remember Dave. Yeah. I, that was junior. That and he was, was a freshman at the time. Because I was a sophomore and you was a junior. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember against St. X. Rock I shoulders. Would, yep. Dropped oh the pass. Oh my gosh. We, we went for two well, points. he didn't drop the pass. He didn't? I thought he, he dropped it. He caught it. But they said he landed out of bounds. Oh, okay. I thought he dropped it. But we was so close. <sighs> we was so close. So close to, to, and do you remember that time that I was speaking of that? I think it was against Mel too. It was our junior year and we just got that new scoreboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think we lost like, well, I didn't play that year, but I think we lost like 60. It was 59 to zero. 59 to zero. <laughs> Mel said, y'all got this big old shiny board and didn't even score. Y'all pitiful. Yeah. Oh man. Those are the days. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely take me back. So, like, did you grow up in the South End? Like, how'd you end up? Did you end up going to PRP because your mom was teaching there? Basically. No, I grew up by Chickasaw Park, Shiny Park area in the West End. And my mother taught at PRP, I want to say 30 years. I may be off. She may have started somewhere else. But majority of her career was PRP. She's a badass. Yep. And I went to Foster Elementary School. And I was supposed to go to... JCTMS or Johnson Traditional School, but for some reason, something with the paperwork didn't get through to them, and I wasn't registered to go there. And my home school, non-traditional school, was Lasseter Middle School. So the plan was for me to go to Lasseter for a year, then transfer to JCTMS, and I just fell in love with Lasseter, and I said, I'm not going anywhere. So then high school came and my home school was Western High School and she said, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, I see the, you want to you wanna go to Manual? She said, okay, fine. I had to do a letter to try to get into Manual. Uh, never even heard anything back. Yeah, I did the same thing. I didn't either. Never heard anything back. So it was just, it was basically a foregone conclusion that I was going to PRP. Me and my sister both went to PRP. It was just, you know, you stepping into manhood this is probably going to be your most influential time. I'm going to keep my eye on you to make sure <laughs> you ain't getting into no no nonsense. And Western High School is not for you. So that's how I ended up at PRP. But it was it was actually a blessing and a curse because people saw me just as Barbara's son and not necessarily my own individual. But then at the same time, it worked for me because I could get away with a little bit more stuff than somebody else could. <laughs> but then again. Some things that I could get away with, they were just straight over. Oh, okay, no problem. Barbara, call her up. And <laughs> now here she comes <laughs> over, and I'm trying to explain myself. And one time I got, she kind of jacked me up in the hallway. And I'm, oh, man, people's watching this. You know, I got to try to fix my calling stuff. And I still got football practice. And everybody's talking like, you see how Steven got jacked up earlier today? Like, Dang, mama. But, uh, it was another time, too, that it, it didn't work in my favor because we used to cut through the building after school. And it was just like after hard practice. And I don't even remember who was with me, but we cut we was cutting through school instead of walking all the way around. And Johnson, David Johnson, the principal, you know, he was getting on us or something. And I was like, man, shut up. <laughs> you can suck my 
And then, <laughs> and then he ends up pulling up around on Greenwood, and he sees me. He's like, "Oh, so that was you that told me to shut up and suck you." Oh no! I was just like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in my office tomorrow. Did you know your mom? Oh, yeah, it was oh, a wrap. Like I walked yeah. in because I caught the bus, and before this is before I had my, yeah, it's before I had my car. So I caught the bus, and. He called me into his office, and my mom was sitting right there. And she's like, oh, tell your mama what you said. I was like, oh, no, I wasn't talking to you. I was on the phone and <laughs> trying to come up with a whole bunch of different stuff. It just didn't fly. But I didn't really get in tr- as much trouble as somebody else. I really got in trouble on the football field. Stinton ran me, trying to make me quit the team, basically. He's like, you going to be disrespectful to the principal of all people? And uh, he, he saw something in me, though, because he didn't break me. I didn't quit. Yeah. But he was trying to, he just knew, like, I'm going to make him quit today. Yeah. Now you ain't going to make me quit today. I heard that. You ain't going to make me quit. I'm going to quit on my own, if any, if anything. <laughs> my favorite thing, what I remember about you more than anything else, I remember me, you, and Chris Berry hanging out in Sewell's class, and I just remember you being entertaining. Oh, you yeah. You being fun. Just being silly, fun, class clown. Just, I mean, I don't take nothing too seriously, really. Um. I mean, if it doesn't, like, endanger me in any way or anybody around me or my family, I don't really take any, anything in life serious at all. I'm always going to try to make light of it, even if it is a serious, tense situation, because I've, I've learned that nothing comes, comes away with being mad or angry. Yeah. So I'm always going to be the one to crack a joke, or I might get jokes cracked on me, just take one with a grain of salt and laugh about it. It's, it's not that serious to me. Nothing in life is ever that serious to me. But I think of you as a storyteller also, and like, and that's kind of what you pursued after high school, right? Like, so you left PRP and you said you went to WKU. I went to Washington, Kentucky University, the Hilltoppers, <laughs> had the best year of my life, met some cool people, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, had too much fun though. And <laughs> there's reasons why I had to come back home and I finished up at UofL, but when I say it was a party every other day. And <laughs> when I say I had perfect attendance in the club <laughs> over class, I mean, I might get to class. It might not be on time, but to the club, oh, I'm on time for the club. Especially back in back in the day, I didn't miss a beat. Yeah. I didn't miss a beat, but having too much fun down there. What did you major in at first? Partying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? I didn't go down there. Honestly... I went to West Kentucky because all my friends was going. Yeah. That's literally the only reason. But then when I got down there, I started learning about their uh, their communications and their radio uh, broadcasting. Um, learn about their broadcasting program. And if I was, I said I partied too much, grades slipped, whatever happened, happened. And um, But I definitely would have went back. If I would have went back to Western, I would have majored in broadcasting at Western. Because they got one of the best broadcasting um, schools in the state. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to. I wanted to leave Louisville, but I didn't want to leave the state. I didn't want to be too far away that I can't just come back home when something's going on. But at the same time, I didn't want to be in Louisville. So I went to Western, had the time of my life. I said, great, slipped, had too much fun. Um, wrong place, wrong time. Got into some little trouble and had to come back home. Went to JCC. Got my grades and everything back in order. So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going back to Western. So I still needed my, my parents to sign some paperwork. And my mom was like, I've never seen this look in her face. Like, 
the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you going back to Western. I'm like, I got my grades in order. I'm going back to WKU. She said, who's signing them papers for you to go back? <laughs> you. <laughs> what are you talking about? She said, no, I'll sign for you to help you go to UofL. But after what happened at Western, you, you're not going back there on my watch. You know, you can try to work and get back down there, but I'm not signing old loan papers for you to go back down there. So that's how I ended up going to UofL. Educational-wise, academic-wise, best thing that ever happened to me. Because at UofL, I did have my fun, but they really concentrate you on the school aspect of college. While Western, you kind of can get lost down there in the fun at Western. Like, you got to really be focused on your schoolwork at Western, at least for me. Like, if I would have went back, who knows? I might have fell into some fun again. But UofL, for me, at least, was so particular on your work that the fun... The fun didn't even matter to me. Like, I was just down there. I got my degree in communications and minor in marketing. Ended up joining the National Association of Black Journalists. Wrote for uh, the newspaper of of that um, group. Ended up getting an internship at the athletics media department. Working with sports interns. Working with media members. Working with Pat Forty of the Courier Journal. Working with just ESPN. and fell in love with it. So that's kind of, kind of how I got into my journalism start. Like without UofL, I don't even know if I would be here right now doing sports journalism. Like I probably would have been, who knows? I couldn't even tell you, but that's where I found my, I always loved sports. So I was like, sports media, I like to talk, run my mouth. <laughs> and it's so crazy because growing up, I was like a math wizard. Like I used to be in, um, Math competitions, multiple multiplications, um, division, just off the top of my head. Boom, 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 boom. Hated English, hated writing. And it's just crazy how life took a 180. And now I hate dealing with numbers. I used to work at a bank as well, which people don't understand. They're like, how do you hate math, but you used to work at a bank? Two different things algebra, pi squared, 3.14, charting things, half the stuff we didn't need. need to even know and you algebra. got a computer yeah and i got a computer thank you to the system because <laughs> adding all that up back in the day i don't know how those bankers used to do it but uh it's just still crazy how things took a 180 from me hating writing to me being a writer now yeah like it's still it still amazes me to this day how i grown how i grew from hating to falling in love and now it's what my career is I mean, writing in general is really challenging. I'm trying to do it now, and I, it's it's hard to do. Oh, but yeah. like, if you've spent your whole life like bantering about sports, making that transition into like sports journalism would probably feel pretty natural. And it did, and it especially because I played sports too, right? So, and not even just football. My mother had me in everything growing up, from swimming, golf, tennis, basketball, baseball, and then finally is football. My eighth grade year is is the sport that I fell in love with so you know as they say barbershop talk as I was growing up that's what we just talk about anyways in the barbershops and you know just you well you know in the locker room and stuff we talking about football basketball the games and everything so it kind of just was natural for me to talk about sports you know just in a professional sense because I had to go to school I had to get you know the connections I had to get educated on how to write 
and form a story and tell a story. But but it's still, like I said, it's, it's still just it's still just crazy. But you got that times where I have writer's block or I just don't feel like writing about nothing or I don't even feel like talking about anything because people say, oh, that's easy. No, it's not. Um, I mean, if you know about the sport, yes, in a way. But, you know, like being able to articulate and put words to paper, it's not easy. Like you may, you may be able to talk about it, but can you articulate your words that you're talking about into a story for for readers to read? Right. Do, can you have a sentence structure? Can you make that paragraph flow from, you know, one paragraph to the next paragraph? Can you close your story in a way that's going to, you know, have the reader want to come back to your next story? Or when you open up a story, you're going to be able to catch that reader's attention. So it's more that goes into writing than literally just writing. Then you got to do the your grammar checks and your proofreading and everything. Um, can you proofread? <laughs> Some people can't proofread, you know, like you have editors and things. So it's way more than just watching a game, writing about it, and then posting it. It's way more that goes into it. Because like right now, I've covered, whew, now that I think about it, I've, I've, I have covered a lot. Um, UofL football games, uh, UofL basketball games, UofL women's basketball games. I've covered, and when I say covered, I mean, I've actually have to travel to these games, press box access, on-field access, interviews, post-game with at press conferences with coaches, uh, Western Kentucky University football games, University of Cincinnati. Um, I was in the I was at uh, in Indianapolis at the combine in February. I covered. I went to L.A. in January for the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. U UK women's basketball. Like I've done a lot and met a, met incredible people. Being able to travel and things like that. But like I said, it's more than just. Because I guess some people just think, you know, you go to a game, like I said, and you just write about it. But no, you actually have to go get these post-game quotes from um, from players, from coaches, from administrative staffs, just depending on who you're talking to. Um, are you able to, you know, have that open personality that they're willing to talk to you as well? Then you got to come back, sit down and formulate your story. So it's it's a it's a process. You have to be at the game. Let's say games at 12 o'clock. Saturday football games at 12 o'clock. I have to be there at 11, you know, to set up. It depends on who you with, too. If you just, um, sometimes I might just have my laptop and I don't have to do pictures. Sometimes I have to take the pictures. So I can go downstairs, get my setup for pictures. Then I can come back upstairs, you know, write, write my notes for the games. Then I have to go after the game, post-game press conference. Then I got to come back up, start writing my story with my notes and things. So what is a three, three-and-a-half-hour game to you? is maybe a five to six hour day for me and people don't really realize what goes into you know a story they just see a 500 600 word story oh that was simple no it was not simple yeah <laughs> not well, simple at all i imagine a lot of people think of your job as like a dream job because like he gets to watch sports for a living and in, in, in some ways like and i mean 500 words is a lot of words you know what i mean hideous about some things you know it's not yeah. I mean, you can write 500 words about, like, the universe pretty quickly. And also, how many people in their day-to-day -day sit down and write 500 words? You know no, what I mean? Right. Nobody. Because usually I do try to, because uh, right now I'm freelance, so I write for SportsRadioAmerica.com, EastWestFootballNetwork.com, East and um, SportsKeda, 
sportskedda.com. It's actually um, a website, sports website company out in India. And they do, they got a lot of writers. That's cool. Yeah. It started in India. It's really, it was a wrestling-based website. And then they just expanded. And now they expanded their efforts over here, too, as well. So, you know, my work's getting read in India, which is amazing. But. 500 words is is a lot. <laughs> yeah. 500 to 600. But the more you do it, like I said, the easier it gets, especially depending on what you're writing about. If you get quotes, a lot of that can help, you know, help with your article. Um, but sometimes you can kind of be redundant in a way. But then again, at the same time, you can't be because every game is different. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of have my, my writing style. I know I usually just kind of how I want to formulate my articles. So it's kind of easy for me, but you know, like first getting into it, I was like 500 words. That's not a lot. That's nothing. It's two pages typed, right? Yeah. It's two pages of typed. And I was like, that's nothing. But you know, I used to do in school, you know, thousand word research essays and stuff. But the thing is, you may have a lot to say, but you got to condense it into right. 500 words. The economy it. of words is really yeah, important. It really, it really is because a reader can lose interest quick real quick so you got to grab their attention you got to get as much information as you can within those words unless it's like an extensive feature story on somebody you know then yeah you got to have ain't no telling how long that's going to be but if you're just doing like a game review you got to be able to or if you're doing a game preview you got to be able to catch catch that reader's attention quick and hold on to their attention because out it's always they say the first two sentences is what's going to keep your reader so, you know, you write those two sentences and then they're bland. You like click because it's all about clicks now. And I don't write to get clickbait, but I still, you know, want to catch your attention when right. it comes to those first two. You know, if I send out my work and you see the header, are you going to click on it? So, you know, you got to kind of have that. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess that pizzazz, you yeah. know, like when you first. The you know, je ne sais quoi. Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, you know, to catch your reader's attention right. and say. You know, I'm a, what's this about? Click, I'm going to read it. So do you have a process like that you go through that you have in your mind or do you, does it constantly change or like what is that like for you? It depends on what I'm writing. I said if it's game reviews, those are those are pretty much the easiest because the flow is pretty much the same. I'll have an introductory paragraph, you know, a detail, uh, a paragraph of the first quarter, second quarter, third, fourth, post-game quotes, wrap up, you know, how the game went. Um, and then and Louisville plays Kentucky next week at Cardinal Stadium at three o'clock. So game reviews are pretty much easy. Previews are hard because you got to kind of break down both teams. And it's your take also. And it's too. actually your take too. So, um, and you know, some people are like, you know, what do you know? Like, <laughs> I like, yes, I played high school football. Yeah. Of course, you know, that's not the most extensive football, but I still have a general knowledge of the game. So I can watch a game. And you're a fan of the game. And I'm a fan of the game. So I watch a lot of basketball. So I've even watched players and coaches talk about basketball. So I can, you know, hear that, take from what I know, and then watch a game and understand they're playing zone coverage. And I know what zone coverage is because we used to play zone coverage uh, or cover three or uh, man-to-man, things like that. So it's more than just me even being just a random fan. Like I actually have to – I actually studied – and break down film sometimes. Am I am I a scout? No, but I can break down film and see 
this player is better in zone coverage than he is in man-to-man coverage. So, you know, it's not just me being a talking head of just saying, oh, that was a terrible play. He should have did this. And I'm like, well, he did this because this player did this. Like, it's always a reaction to something. It's mm-hmm. not just the player doing something. Why? Like, I have to see it as a writer, why he did that. Well, he did that because this inside corner, you know, broke on this route for this outside receiver to, you know, do this route. So it's more than just being a talking head and just, you know, just basically just talking shit. Like, yes, it's barbershop talk, but at the same time, being a writer, you have to be knowledgeable of what you're talking about and not just talking. Now, all that being said, how you talked about the challenges that come with with uh, creating the types of stories that you create. Be honest. It's got to be awesome. I mean, right? Oh, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I, I love it. Um, I've I've covered press conferences of Rick Bettino. That's cool. Jeff Waltz, um, Teddy Bridgewater, Roy Williams, you know, ACC. So um, Coach K. Um, Mark Stoops at UK. Like I said, all the ACC coaches, well, not all, but most of the ACC basketball, football coaches, especially when I had my internship, like I would have to do every. And actually, it wasn't even an internship. What's so crazy is I worked at Stockyards Bank. And so uh, it was just a real slow day. And I just randomly just started emailing. I just looked up uofl's athletic staff and just started randomly just emailing people and of all the people i emailed i got one email back from kim i don't want to butcher her last name i just always called her kim p but i want to say it's kim pep 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 kim p i don't want to butcher her last name so i just was like you know i'm steven patrick i just enrolled back into school you know, I'm looking to do X, Y, and Z. You know, can I just come and talk to you? Come and came into our office a couple of days later. I did it on my work computer too. So I said, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't supposed to. I did it on my work computer. Hey, but, you got to do what you got to do, man. Hey, right. I, sorry, Stockyards. <laughs> I still brought in loans. I still brought in accounts. So y'all be all right. Um, so sat down with her. She gave me a tour of like the U of L sports facility. The basket, the women's basketball, volleyball, like just the whole facility. And, you know, she sat down like, what do you even, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't even know. I just want to just be in sports. I didn't know if I wanted to do marketing, finance work because I worked at a bank. Writing was not even on my radar. Like I said, I hate, used to hate writing. And she said, you know what? Come to the soccer game tomorrow and just kind of just get a feel for what we do. So I went to the soccer game ne- next day. And it was just funny because I just came in like some sweats and a shirt. Didn't even, didn't know nothing. Like 21, just feet wet. I didn't even know anything. Walked in and she just looked at me. And she said, we got to get you a collared polo shirt. <laughs> so uh, so she got me together with some Adidas official U of L girl. Yeah, everything. She hooked me all the way up with just official U of L girl. And I did one soccer game. I was like, eh, this is okay, but it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of soccer. And I was like, I don't know about this. And the work that we was doing, she told me, come back for football, fell in love with it. And I said, just being on the field and that atmosphere. And then from there, I did basketball, women's basketball. And what we had to do with my internship was set up everything for the media members. 
the higher up media members, um, WDRB, LKY, Fox, ESPN, whoever, Courier Journal, had to set up, make sure everything's right with them. We had to compile all the stats for them, have time get them their stats, um, notes. Post game, we had to subscribe um, notes for them. You know, just basically anything that anybody needed media wise. And I was like, from there, I told myself, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be one of them. You know, sitting in the press box, writing stories and everything, interviewing coaches, talking to players. I said, that's what I want to do. So that's how it came to be from from just one board day at work <laughs> as a was as a stockyards bank downtown on Fifth Street and rode back into school, which is bored. I was like, I'm just gonna start randomly just writing people. So it wasn't even an internship. I didn't even have to have an internship for my degree, but I still just I took the initiative to put myself out there. And if I would have never did, because I tell people all the time, I said, some people think school is not for them. And I'm like, school possibly is not for some people. But if you just go to school and go to class and then go home, it's it's not worth it. Like You got to network. You got to know people. You have to put yourself out there, join organizations. You have to actually like put in the work outside of class because school's not even about school about class and projects and stuff for me it's about what you can do outside of the classroom on campus so like i said i joined nabj we did events on campus i put myself out there quote unquote had an internship it was really just volunteer work and put myself out there was able to meet people from there but if i would have just went to L, went to class from 11 to 1 and went home I wouldn't be doing nothing. Probably still be at the bank because I'm like, well, what are you going to do with this? You didn't meet anybody. You didn't network. Now you just got a piece of paper. But what are you going to do with it? So for me, it's it's really about, you know, putting yourself out there and networking and doing what you need to do outside of school, outside of the classroom, you know, to better yourself. How, where did you learn that? Did you know that going in or is it something you figured out? <laughs> I f- That's a good question. I don't think I really learned it. I think just me being ambitious was more so what has helped me because, like I said, I didn't need an internship, but I put myself out there to start writing people. And then I said, this one person wrote me back and thank you, Miss Kim. (laughs) Real. Thank you. Because without Miss Kim, I would have never I would have never got into any of this. I wouldn't have known about SportsRadioAmerica.com. Because I had a great friend named Ashley who turned me on. And she's like, you know, I know a great, you know, up and coming writer named um, Stephen Patrick. I go by SK Patrick now when I'm writing. I use my initials. But I know a great guy named Stephen Patrick. You know, this, 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 and this. Um, take Take a look at his work. Start writing for them. And what was so crazy is there was a new startup website and a writers would send in their work and then they would pick three writers per week to actually put on the website and you would win $50, $25 and then third place would just be put on the website. Mm-hmm. So it was a competition, which also helped me because I'm competing now. So I got to get more sharp. I got to get better and I won't get paid. <laughs> I don't want right, to get paid right. more. <laughs> you go pay me $50. <laughs> I need that fit, especially, you know, in college, I need yeah. that 50. Every dollar counts right now. So uh, just having just um, Ashley, she put me on, um, ended up writing for another website, um, AnalyzeSports.com. Uh, I don't believe that they're up anymore, 
but it was a startup. I started writing for them as well. That's when I started um, even going outside to ha- high school football games. I covered St. X, Trinity, male manual games, started going to softball games and stuff as well while I was in school. So I think it was just, I don't know if I, if I would necessarily learn that or if it was just being around people who was also ambitious and we just kind of just, like just like I said, the energy of being around sports media is just, I can't even describe it. Like game day, I just wake up and I'm just so energized and happy. And I'm like, it's game day. I get to go to the field and just, it's it's breathtaking going into the going down to the 50 yard line when the stadium's empty and just being there and just like <laughs> just looking around like this is about to be filled up with 60,000 people in two hours oh my gosh yeah that's wild that's it's, wild it's crazy and I'm like and you know I look up I, I look up and I'll look at the press box and I'll just like I'm really about to be upper while you, you know fans and everything they would love to be upper and I'm up there and being a fan when I was in high school or early college of just being, you know, like in the, in the seats of the of the 60,000 stadium and just knowing like, damn, I used to want to be upper and now I'm upper. Crazy. And then, you know, it's like they treat us well. We get catered food up there. Nice. It's been times where um, Kenny Klein, he's, he's the coolest. He is the absolute clueless. After games, you know, he'll pop, you know, Papa John's used to sponsor us before all that happened. He'll just walk around like after the game. Before the games, you get catered by U of L catering service. But then after the game, especially long games, he'll walk around, hand out pizzas to people. You know, you want to, hey, you want a beer and just Kenny was the best. Kenny was the best. But I said, oh, waking up on game day and knowing that I got to go to a game and just like breathing in the air of game day is just, it's just on a whole nother level of just like, Stephen, you did it. <laughs> you did it. Because when I got back into school and then I figured out what I wanted to do, um, it sounds so corny, but I wrote down on a piece of paper, I will become a successful sports journalist. And I signed it and my mother signed it. And I still have that paper. I moved a few times, so I know I have it have it somewhere. But um, it was a contract that me and my mother signed. And I'm bounded by this contract. So I have to become a successful sports journalist. And so far, you know, I'm on a lower tier, but I'm still doing what I wanted to do and exactly what I said I was going to do. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just got to build up my way there. But it's just so crazy of signing that contract with my mother when I was like 21 and I graduated at 25. And then at 30, when I said I've been to L.A., Indianapolis, Nashville, Cincinnati, Lexington, Louisville, just putting in work, Bowling Green, covering these games. And I'm like, I'm doing it now. So, you know, 2020 definitely put some things, some things back because I was supposed to do March Madness. I was supposed to, Mm. I was really just getting knee deep with the NFL this year. Um, So 2020 pushed some things back. So hopefully 2021 is is way better, but you know, still what I have been able to do this year, I've been mostly doing Cincinnati games, but it's just still, you know, yeah, this this year messed up a few things, but you know, it's still just that's this the ideal of I'm doing what I what I wanted to do. Yeah. No, so let me ask you this. Cause your mom was a teacher and I was a teacher for a couple of years. I got a lot of friends who are teachers. 
do you ever take this story like back? I mean, because where are you staying now? I'm back in Louisville. Yeah. Like I lived, I was in Louisville. I graduated at 25, was still working at Stockyards Bank until I was 26 and 26, 27. And then I just kind of was like, you know, it's more out here, especially in sports. It's like it's more out here than, than Louisville. So I moved to Nashville, Tennessee for about a year and a half. Um, I worked with the TSU. I, I did fundraising at TSU. So I worked with the TSU's um, athletic department, meeting coaches and players and things of that nature. Um, even players that's in the NFL or former players in the NFL, we had events and they came back on campus. So it was great. Dom- Dominique Roger Camardi is is so cool. Um, DRC. He went. I didn't even know he went to TSU. So, you know, um, met some people there. Uh, I used to always go to sports conferences that the Titans would have, um, had a part-time job with the Nashville Sounds baseball, minor league baseball team down there. So, excuse me. So, um, and there's a, a few things with the Titans as well. Ended up moving back home. I was supposed to move to Cincinnati earlier this year and Corona hit. So uh. everything's kind of been up in the air, but, um, it's great. It's in a, in a, in hindsight for me, me. I mean, I'm praying for everyone involved, but for me, this actually helped me even get knee more knee deep into my sports um, journalism because now I got connections in Cincinnati. So when I'm do move up there, I'm already straight to it. I've already been to UC. I think I sent you last week or two weeks ago one of the. Uh, one of the companies I've been working for, we had Hugh Jackson on. Yeah. So Hugh Jackson, you know, used to coach in Cincinnati. So I got some some connections at the Bengals now. So I'm just kind of already trying to place myself in a good spot. So when I move up to Cincinnati, I can just go ahead and attack it instead of trying to come up with contacts and things when I move up there. I already have these contacts when I move up there and I'm already good to go and can hopefully, you know, expand my brand and my writing to more people outside of Louisville because I feel like I kind of, Hit a wall in Louisville. I've been here my whole life. I went to U of L. What more is there for me to do? You know, within sports. I mean, yeah, we got the soccer team now, but I'm still trying to. I'm trying to break through more outside than just the minor league team. So that's why Cincinnati. I feel like would be a good look for me. Yeah, got the Reds up there. You got way more colleges up there too. Yeah. You got um, NKU, North Kentucky University, Mount St. Joseph, UC, Xavier University. Columbus isn't too far away. Have you I, just been to Covington? Right across the city? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Covington yeah, is a great yeah. place to live. It is. It is. Beautiful I'm, little town. It is, but, I mean, it's basically Cincinnati. It basically is, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like an extension of Cincinnati. Yeah. And it's funny, funny you say it, because I feel like Covington and that Newport area is how is how Indiana should be for Louisville. Yeah. Like, it should have a whole little setup. It should be an extension of Louisville. You shouldn't even necessarily, because when I'm in Covington or Newport, I don't feel like I'm in Covington or Newport. I feel like I'm in Cincinnati. Right. Because it's just basically an extension, an extension of the city. Because you walk across the bridge, boom, you're right there in Mm -hmm. action. Still, I think, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I would encourage you. I have a lot of friends, a lot of English teachers who teach young black men who I think would be inspired to hear someone talk about, talk the way that you've talked about your experience and like what you've gone through and how you learned, like you, you could write and how you could love it and how it opened up opportunities for you to have experiences that you never expected to have. I think that's a powerful story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause for sure, I eventually want to do that. Um, I'm starting, I'm actually working on a children's, um, 
I don't know if it's going to be a children's sports book or a children's money management book. I don't know. I might try to, I might try to kind of place both into one. Um, but what I want to do outside of just my sports, I want to start kind of my own media company and I want to interview spotlight. Um, it don't even necessarily have to be, um, black or, you know, it can be white, black, Latina, it don't even matter. But what I really want to do is just shine light on, um, young entrepreneurs. Yes. Businesses, um, young professionals. I want to be able to give them a spotlight and then I want to be able to take that and go to schools and say, you know, have like a um a workshop and say, hey, did you even think like right now, I have a friend who has a sport. You remember Joe Von Fleming? Yeah. I remember Joe. So Joe and my friend Des Desmond Davison, they have um a sports management company called Total Three Sixty Management. So um, you know, I would want to like do articles, do pieces on them and take that back to a community, a school um, and say, hey, did you even think about this? Because growing up, I didn't think about being an Asian. I didn't think about being a um, a writer. I didn't think about having my own sports management company. But now you see you see a face that looks like yours and you can say, oh, I can do that. And instead of just want to be a, a rapper or an athlete. Like, yeah, I have another friend named um, James Standard. He's an admissions counselor at um, Bellarmine University. When I was in elementary school, I would never thought about being a recruiter or an admissions counselor for a college. But that's something that you now know. And you can put a face with that and, then you know, reach out to him. He can tell his story to you more personally, too. So that is my plan in my next I said 2020 kind of put some things back, but I see a lot of my friends, you know, doing positive things. And I want I want them to get some shine, you know, too, to let people know what they're doing and to let people know that or at least let younger people know that there's more out here than just being a, a rapper or an entertainer. Because that's really like when I was growing up, at least that's really the main things that I saw. And or I saw like my daddy was a mechanic as well. But I was like, I don't want to work on cars. Yeah. So I really kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I really didn't see a lot of representation out there of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I like amusement parks. So I'm going to be an engineer. But luckily, you know, I found out that that wasn't for me. And I found out really what was for me. So from my perspective of. Like I said, bringing myself into a school and sharing my story or trying to have a, have um, stories of other people and bring it into a school and just trying to get that trying to get that spotlight and just kind of open their minds to a lot more things than just maybe what they're learning in school. Because like I said earlier, half the stuff that we learn in school. It's still that even, way. Yeah, we're not even like algebra. That's we what need, I taught. We need to be. <laughs> why did you teach algebra? Because I wanted a job, man. I mean, why I did was you, like, come on. If you was going to teach instead of algebra, I feel like we need to have like a finance class or a, or a credit class, mm -hmm. something like that. Because without the bank, I wouldn't have been. I'm not. I wouldn't have been financial. Who's to say if I would have been financially savvy? But I worked there for five years, so it helped me. Yeah. So I have a financial advisor now who I told him when I moved back. Her some money, just do what you do with it, you know. Just help me, help help me help myself, right? Because it was a time where I was like, oh, I'm about to take this money and just have it in my account for no reason, just because it looks better to see another number in my account. And he was just like, now you got a good base in your account. Let me take this, 
and let me make more money for you. Let me start, you know, you got to think, even though you're only 30, yes, that's young, but you're at that stage where you're starting to see the bigger picture of life. And you need to go ahead and start thinking 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. You need, if you don't start now, you're going to be way behind. So that's something else, too, about why well, I want to kind of, kind of make it like a, many, a money management book as well, just to kind of start the kids of thinking. It's going to be, you know, people my age. So let's just say kids from four to seven or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, get your minds on it all right now, because when I was four or seven, I mean, of course, I was just running around and stuff. But that just, you know, just puts it in your mind already. So when you get older, you can already kind of have these thoughts of, money management, financial, you know, advisors and things of that nature. Because I feel like, like I said, we should have learned about credit. We should learn about finances. We should learn about interest rates. Without the bank, I probably wouldn't have known that much about stocks. I wouldn't have known that much about it. So I just hate that we learn about pi equals three point, what is it, three three point one four? Mm-hmm. What does that do for me? If you want to learn about circles it, a lot, but other yeah, than that, I mean, nothing. you know, like it has its place. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be an engineer, yeah, you need to get knee deep into to something like yeah. that. But just as a general, and that's something you should learn maybe in college. But I don't feel like in elementary school, and plus it's so redundant what we, what we learn too. So we, really even is. in college too, your general courses, you take the same classes. I take the same classes that I had to take to come in this damn school in the first place. <laughs> Just fucking stupid. Yeah. So do you do you do any other type of writing? I know you talked about like your sports writing and now you talked about like wanting to write a child's book. That's a big gap. Yeah, it so, is like, a huge gap. <laughs> so like, is there anything in between there? Like do you do other types of writing too? I don't, but that's why I want to have my own, uh, my own website, my own media company. So I can start writing and talking about things that pertain to me outside of sports or pertain to other people outside of sports. I don't want to just be caged in to sports sports is always gonna be number one um always 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 but it's still more to me than just sports i don't want to be you know just the sports guy i want to be like steven now he's he he tackles you know finances social issues um education like he he dibbles and dabbles in all of it you know he has people on he interviews people i just want to be more I guess outside the box, then be placed inside the box of just Mm -hmm. sports journalism. So that's my next step. I'm working on a few things and I'm going to be interviewing, writing stories, like I said, of entrepreneurs, young professionals, businesses, anybody that's kind of doing some positivity. Because I feel like that's really what we're lacking is like an outlet to show what we're doing. I mean, there's a lot of outlets now with social media that's doing that. So, you know, congratulations to them. Keep it coming. And I want to be a part of that as well to shine that positive light because I just see too much negativity. Um, and I'm like, that negativity is not around me. Like, I don't see a representation of what's around me because a lot of my friends around this age now are doing great things within the community. Right. But nobody knows about it. And I know sometimes, you know, you say, I don't want the shine. I just want my work to speak for itself. But I feel like you should deserve that shine like somebody should know the positivity that you are bringing to this community and some people don't know it so that's kind of where i'm trying to fill the gap to show like i said um 
sports management company. Um, or my friend um, Jonathan Coe, he cut, he's a barber, he's an entrepreneur, he has his own club. Hey, kids, did y'all think about that? No, I never thought about that. Well, now I heard somebody who's, who's doing this. So now that's an idea for you. Sports management company, that's an idea for you. I'm a writer, that's an idea for mm-hmm. you. Um, my, my friend um, James Standard, he's an admissions counselor. My friend Aaron Hurst, who lives in Dallas now, he's an admission. I don't know if he's an admission counselor, counselor still, but he's in higher ed. Like, I just, but growing up, I didn't think about these jobs. You know, like fun, I used to do fundraising. Hey, you might want to do fundraising, but if nobody tells you about it and you don't see anybody that represents you doing it, you're never going to think about it. So that's kind of how I'm trying to trying to see it just a bigger picture of, you know, like I said, outside of just what you see. Because you I mean, you get what you see and it just feeds into your head. And if you don't if you see some other things that I'm trying to bring you. Then you know, like I said, your eyes are open. You're like, oh, I want to do that. Right, right. When you're in Cincinnati, I, I need to hook you up. I have a friend. Her name's Elena. She lives in Covington. Okay. She builds guitars, and they just opened up a new place up there. We love her it. and her friend, and and uh, they do guitar restoration and shit like that. See, that's something I would want to do. Go up there, do a story on y'all, do a video about it. Boom. You know, you can put that out now. People know about you. People know like. Oh, Steven did this work. You know, they can even reach out to me. And like I said, I can bring those videos back to Louisville. Or if when I do move to Cincinnati, you know, um, go into the community center and say, hey, kids, boom. Now, you, now you're interested in building guitars. Would you have been interested if you didn't see somebody sitting down building a guitar? Probably not. <laughs> Off the top of your head, you wouldn't have thought, I want to grow up to Rebuild guitars. Right. But now that's something that may interest you. Right. So you do video work too? I don't do video work, but I'm getting into doing right. video so work. So what have you learned about it? Like, because I'm interested in that I used to do also. video work in college, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of really sketchy on it now because I haven't done it in such a long time. So that's something that I need to get polished up on. So I'm probably, you know, going to have to have somebody. Um, show me but you know it's just another skill to have yeah i said it's been a while since i did like video editing it was yeah. back in i'm 30 so it was like five years ago five six years ago so like i'm really sketchy on it now but that's just something that's just another skill set that i can bring you know to a company or i can just bring to someone else exactly who needs you know video editor oh raise my hand that's exactly. me i can do that for you see i've done a little bit of it with my job and then i have a buddy named gabe and uh, he does it for for his job. And I think that's his main role is he just creates content for them, video content for them. So you mentioned Jonathan. Was that just Cole? Yeah, Cole. He used to play football, uh, pl- play football with us. So tell me, so who was your, like, so my main group after I left high school that I still stayed hanging out with, I saw TJ Edwards all the time. Garcia, I, I played softball with him today. TJ Edwards, tall, yeah. played. Wide receiver, defensive back. Yep, yep. I remember TJ um, and his brother. And then, but then Jake Stratton, he was the lineman. Chris Berry, uh-huh. uh, Casey Ford. I see, I see those guys all the time. Yep. When I say, like I told you, I, when I went to WKU, it was only because of my friends. Yeah. I went to WKU. Joe went to WKU. Um, Adrian Bennett, Avil, call him Avil. He went to WKU. We had our older. Um, our older guys that went to WKU, like Corey Hendricks. Mm. Um, you remember uh, Marcellus White? We call him Boo. Yeah. 
We went to WKU. Like I said, I only went to WKU because my friends went to right. WKU. That's the only reason so I went to WKU. What are those guys doing now? Uh, like um, Cole, he's a barber now. Nice entrepreneur. He runs Cole's clubs. Um, That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Joe, like I said, he works with my friend Desmond Davidson. I went to Emmanuel with Total 360 Sports Management. So they manage um, Jamon Brown, plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Reggie Bonafide plays for the Panthers. Um, you know what? Let me actually pull up the website. Yeah. Yeah, no. dude. Shout them out for sure. Yeah. For sure. Of course, give my guys, give my guys some shine. I need to get. All of y'all on here at once. Yeah, so they manage Reggie Bonafide, um, Jamal Brown. He's a singer. It's Jamon Brown, Brown's brother. He's a singer. That's you know cool. I said Jamon Brown. So they're not just figure. in sports and stuff like uh-huh. that. That's awesome. Inter- it's sports and entertainment. Yeah, okay. Um, Stefan Brown, he's a receiver. He's a former receiver at West Kentucky University. He has his own sports, um, his own wide receiver. I didn't go say wide receiver. Yeah, no, nah, he specializes in wide receiver training. So he has his own called Top Shelf Performance. He has his, uh, is based down in Atlanta. Rashawn Goldwyn, and he's an NFL free agent. He did play for the Giants and the and the Panthers. And uh, Mikael Harris, who's a wide receiver at U of L. So you know they got a they got a lot going on. Um, I've done feature stories on each of their clients and every time they get a new client i do a feature story on them for sportsradioamerica.com so like i said i just want to just show the positivity and the good and the good that you know not even just my friends are doing but just people in general even if i don't know you if i walk in your business excuse me you know can i do a story about y'all just to you know help network help know more people and just try to help build this that's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's that's all we can do for each other, I feel like. And and it has been astounding to me, like, how many people who I've... Dude, There's there's been a few people whom I've reached out to and been like, hey, you want to be on my podcast, who have, who have not said yes. But those people were... They're shy. They're not, like... Uh-huh. It was just people I was interested in talking to. That's funny. You Sorry to cut you off, but that's funny you say shy because <laughs> I... I don't know how I, I don't even know how to describe this, but it's like I'm a shy person, but I'm not a shy person. Like I'm a introvert and an extrovert at the same time, and it's it really doesn't it really doesn't correlate and add up to me. I really I really don't get it. Really, but I mean, when I I have to force myself to be out there in certain situations and things, but like naturally, I'm just a naturally like like I love my I love my personal time, but I know what I want to do. I can't do it by being just a personal person. Mm-hmm. I know that I have to be, you know, out there and things. So college really helped me to break out of my shell as well of being, I have to be a people person. I have to bring my personality out and I have to network and know people, especially being a sports writer. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of crazy that, you know, I started off as a, I mean, I always was out and about parties and stuff. So I still kind of don't really understand why I sometimes like get into a shell because it's like you go, you was going, you know, a lot of people, you go out all the time, you network, you went to a university, two of them. So, you know, you was around a lot of people. So I don't know why sometimes I can just get into that kind of get into a shell. I still, to this day, I don't get it, but I know. I, know. I guess I everybody kind of does that. I just always remember you being a really nice guy. That's the main thing. 
And I feel like if you're willing to be a nice person and if you're willing to try to interact in a positive way with people, then you will, people who are, have a similar disposition will gravitate towards you and you can help each other. And that's what's so awesome about it. And like I was saying, nobody cool whom I've asked to be on here has said no. And the people who have said no, it's not because they're not cool, but it's just because like they're not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're being assholes. It's because they're just like, that makes me feel nervous. But nobody has said no because they're just like, no, nah, I ain't fucking with you. I don't have time for you. Not a yeah. single person's done that. And that's just a testament to how cool people are. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially, I mean, when you got an outlet like this, it just lets you tell your story. I mean, in you, to me, I want to tell my story because I went from getting kicked out of I went from getting kicked out of uh, West Kentucky University, uh, got into some trouble, um, not necessarily on me, wrong place, wrong time. I was in somebody's car. They had some stuff, some stolen items. I wasn't I didn't steal them, but the police said you was everybody's getting hit. You was in the car. You getting hit, too. So I went from, you know, I went from. um. <laughs> when I made that call to my mother, <laughs> <laughs> she saw Warren County Correctional Facility pop up on the on the call log. Whew, that was that was a tough one. How right did you there. feel like the five seconds before you picked up the phone? I felt like I really felt like I let her down because she was like, "Don't go down there, be on no dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Watch who you you know, watch who you with." So it wasn't fear as much as it was like disappointment in yourself. Yeah, yeah, because it's like. Damn. Yeah. Man, she told me, you know, it is what it is. I got I got I have to make the call. So <laughs> I made that call. I can laugh about it now. Yeah. I made that call and she answered and <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and she just dropped the phone. And, oh god. And I just heard in the background, he's in jail. And then my daddy <laughs> picked up the phone. It's like Man, what you done did down there, player? Because he knows I ain't do nothing, no, no reckless stuff. And right. I just told him, hey, I got in the car. Somebody had something. I was just trying to go back home. I was trying to go to the dorm. That's it. It was cold. I didn't want to walk. Right. Somebody offered a ride. I said, cool. But, I mean, I didn't feel like her in my daddy's mouth because I'm like, you was right. You know, you got to be careful who you're down there with. You're not home. You're not in Louisville. You're not in your safe space. Just because you cool with them. You know, and I'm like, it is what it is. It happened. And, you know, me and that guy, we cool now. It is what it is. It didn't stop anything. That's cool. It could have stopped some things, but it didn't stop anything. So I just look back and say, you know, I could have gotten in trouble. And for anybody that did, you know, get in trouble and think it's over, it's not. It's not. I mean, you can come back from any. You can come back from anything. I mean, mine wasn't life-threatening. You know, I wasn't about to lose my entire life over it but getting kicked out of school is something major fighting to get my grades back in order going to uh, jcc something major going back to U of L, finding my passion and even though i graduated a few years later than i wanted to <laughs> everybody does every single person i've talked to on this podcast is like yeah college didn't go as i expected <laughs> no no U of college when it college went as i expected my second foray into college. Right. At U of L, it went as expected. But WKU didn't go as expected. And then, you know, I felt like I'm at JCC. I was at Western Kentucky How University. How did you like JCC? 
I hated it. Really? I loved it there. I hate I absolutely hated it. Why didn't you it. like it? I I think it was just a reminder of that I wasn't at WKU. That you failed. Anymore. Yeah, and I felt like I failed. Like I'm at nothing against JCC because it helped me get my grades in order and it helped me with debt because I don't owe as much money as I would have going straight back to U of L. But it was just it just was a constant. I think I was there for I want to say a year and a half. I was at West. I was at Western for a year, JCC for a year and a half, and U of L for three years. So I think my whole college career is about five and a half years and I also set out a year as well. So I didn't graduate till I was twenty five. But JCC was it just was a constant reminder that I wasn't at Western Kentucky University anymore. And I like when I say I loved WKU, even when I got kicked out, I was still going back my quote unquote sophomore year. Like I still went there. Like <laughs> just if somebody got a got a got an empty floor, couch, bed, I was there. I don't even know how I'm getting back home. Somebody from Louisville might be driving down there. Just drop me off on campus. I know everybody here. I'm going to figure out a way. Even when I didn't have a student ID anymore and stuff, people was like, oh, Steven, you good. You can go in the gym. Like, they didn't even care. It was still just a lot of love down there. So that was JCC was a reminder that, damn, you're not at Western no more. You back home. But then when I got to UofL, even though I kind of sometimes look back on it like, Man, I wonder if I would have went to Western, wouldn't would have went back to Western, how would things be? But I can't think like that because I might not be in sports journalism. I might have had a kid. I might have nothing wrong with kids, but I didn't need I still still think getting some things in order right now that I don't need a kid. <laughs> but, you know, I could have had a kid at an early age. I could you just never know. I could have gotten more trouble. You just never know. So just got to look at the positives of it. But when I got back to UofL, U of L did show me, like I said, it was it wasn't about partying. Maybe it was just on me. Maybe U of U of L used to be a party school, but it's not it wasn't a party school like that to me when I got there. It wasn't when I was there really either now. But I maybe it was just more in me that I was just so focused. You were ready to do it right Yeah, this I time. was like, okay, I'm twenty I'm twenty two. I set out a year. I had my fun at Western. I got my grades together at JCC. Get get your degree and get out of here. Right. So it was just, I was laser focused. And that's when I worked at Stockyards Bank as well, which helped me. He kind of more mature me as well, working in a professional atmosphere, working downtown with different businessmen, um, lawyers, doctors, you know, and actually having these conversations of talking to a millionaire. I have a millionaire right in front of me who, who does like real estate and he's you no, know, he's talking to me and things, giving me some pointers. Um, so really, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it's like I met real millionaires, like I dealt with real wealth, and it showed me. Also, on the other end, um, I dealt with people who was negative in their accounts all the time, and you know, it's like, and it broke my heart sometimes because it's like I can't do nothing else for you, right? Uh, your check doesn't come, you already in the negative, and it's just so crazy how the bank keeps poor people poor. Yeah, because you get your overdraft. The whole system yeah. keeps holding because you get your overdraft before. fees, and it's like you taking out a hundred dollars just to go in a hundred and thirty five dollar worth of debt, and you don't even have the money as is. So now, when your check comes, you getting even less than that because you got overdraft fees and overchar and overcharges, and it's just like I see why poor people sometimes 
stay poor and they can never get ahead because the system's not designed for you to get ahead. Yeah, dude, Sarah and I are, my wife's name is Sarah. Our uh, washer and dryer broke down, so we were using the laundromat. It was like fucking, like every single time we washed our clothes, it was like $8. Yep. Yep. I mean, and you know, like I paid, I think, 100 bucks for my washer and 100 bucks for my dryers. I had 200 bucks. I was lucky. Yes. But I've had that washer and dryer for eight years. There's some people that's not lucky. I know. And if you don't get that, you know, I only get my one check, Steve. I won't get a check until two weeks. And I'm like, I can't do nothing else for you. I know. Like, I already waived one overdraft fee. I can't waive two of them. I can't waive three of them. I can't waive four of them. I'm all right. I can do what I can only do what I can do. So working at the bank kind of showed me both ends of where I want to be and where I don't want to be. So I know I don't want to be, you know, overdrafting and things like that. And I know talking to these millionaires and things, some tips that they gave me, you know, that's helping me start to to get wealth, to start to grow and start to have these ideas that's really going to get me there and to know that, you know, thank, thank, especially thank you to my manager, Vanessa Humphrey, because I was a little silly 21, 22 year old and she believed in me and I was at the stockyards for like four years. So shout out to my manager. Um, Vanessa Humphrey, but um, like I, I love her for that, for hiring me and just kind of, you know, like she saw something in me. Like I said, I needed that too. I needed the bank because it did mature me, shirt and tie every day, corporate right. America, seeing just a different, because I used to work at uh, Kroger's. I used to work at the at a bookstore, you know, just, you know, little, little 18, 19, 21, you know, early early um, adulthood type of jobs just to put money in my pocket. But when I transitioned into that corporate world, it was a whole different beast. And it was like, I had to mature, I had to sharpen my words. I had to, you know, interact with people in a different way. And that, you know, greatly helped me going into corporate um, America, going into Tennessee State University when I did fundraising, and had to go out and talk to people. And I had an idea of money already. And I had an idea of how I need to interact and talk to certain people and, you know, just articulate words and things of that nature. So the bank definitely helped me with that and mature. And I just wasn't ready for school when I first graduated high school. I was just still about partying and having fun. And my friends are going hurt, so I'm going hurt. Yeah. Didn't really have no idea of what I really wanted to do. See, for me, like high school had been kind of easy. And like I hadn't had to try super hard to uh-huh. be successful. So then when I got to college, like when you actually had to try, like it just didn't, it didn't work out for me. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially with my mother there. I thought I could, <laughs> you know, and that's why I kind of just BS my sophomore year because I'm his Patrick's son. Right. Y'all got me. I'm good. <laughs> and then sophomore year showed me, I don't care who you are. You got to work for it. And I got kicked off the team. And mm-hmm. then junior year is when, um, like I went into overdrive cause like I'm getting back on it. I'm, I'm I miss football. I'm mm-hmm. getting back to it. Nothing but A's and B's junior year. And then senior year, um, nothing but A's and B's. And I was just so laser focused on getting back in getting back onto the team that that kind of that focus still carried over with me the senior year to still have good grades. And eventually I will graduate with honors. And, you know, from sophomore year of failing, I didn't fail my classes, D, C's and D's. But, you know, I went up, I had like a 1.5 sophomore year. So I got kicked off the team. So from going from a 1.5 to a 3.0 and higher and graduating with honors, it just showed me there that I can, I can do the work. 
I just was, I was just being lazy and just leaning on. I'm Miss Patrick's son. If I get a D, they'll give me a C. And they was just like, I don't care who you are. If you don't <laughs> put in the work, you're not getting this. And I needed that though. I needed that. And then, cause it, it in college, when I really got focused and went back to U of L, yeah, and it just showed me if you don't put in the work, you're not about to you're not about to succeed if you don't put in this work. So, hey, hey, look look what you did at Western. You didn't put in the work, and you got bad grades, and you got kicked out. You might have had fun, definitely met a lot of people, but the end game was that degree, and and the end game was you know getting into your career. So, like I said, I needed that maturity of uh of getting kicked out. And like, just kind of really starting over just to get a different perspective of, you need to stop partying. You need to stop living life like, <laughs> like you don't care. Like, of course, you know, I cared about it, but it was just, I was just living free. And I was like, nah, it's more to this than just going to the parties and all of this. You know, you're 21, you're 22, even though you're young, what else is out there? So like I said, getting back on, getting on at the bank and then getting back into school. The biggest things that ever happened to me was was getting back was my twenty second year of life, getting back into school and getting a job at the bank and just showing me a whole different side of a whole different side of life outside of just trying to have fun. But I still had my fun though. Don't get, <laughs> <laughs> don't get it twisted. So, do you still do you play any sports? Do you like play on like any softball leagues or you like golf or anything like that? I'm about to get back into golfing. Uh, used to golf all the time. Um, like I said, younger, my mother had me in everything, so I used to golf. Haven't really been golfing, so I want to get back into golfing. It's fun, man. Uh, and I heard all the time. I heard all the time. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do. Yeah, but uh, I went, went at the bank. Um, a couple times I went out with some businessmen, and they took me golfing and stuff, and just to hear their conversations on the golf course. Cause like they, they making transactions out there, you right. know, like talking business and stuff. So it was just good just to kind of pick their brain a little bit, but definitely trying to get back into, uh, definitely trying to get into golfing more. I want to eventually, when I moved to Cincinnati, I want to fi- try to find a flag football league and just get back more active in things when it comes to, to the sport that I love. Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, me and the guys, not recently, because things have been more hectic now, but we used to, you know, get on the court, right? And run a few games, yeah. So definitely need to just get back more active with my sports. But outside of that, I haven't really been. Well, I'm in COVID. <clears throat> I've been playing softball, yeah. which has been cool. It has been cool. Uh, but with softball, you don't really have to be close to each other. You do, uh, it's yeah, not you have to touch each other really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, and we Baseball don't and softball. We don't shake hands, which is a little bit weird. And like it's it, but it's still it's still fun. Yeah, we can still talk yeah. to each other. Um, <clears throat> I kind of want to get into like some physical sport. Like, I want to do jujitsu. There's a gym in the area, Derby okay. City Mixed Martial Arts, and I, I, the guy who owns it, his name's Chewy. Uh, he was a cool dude. He used to come to Starbucks all the time, and I've been telling myself for months that I'm going to go up there and do that. But you know, like you said, things have been hectic. Yeah, COVID. I want to eventually do boxing. Boxing I would get, be cool. That's, that's really, I mean, number one, you know, just to, um, you know, self protection, right? And then just number two, that's the thing for me too. Just, I think boxing is probably like the most, not physically demand, maybe more like mentally demanding sport because you're getting hit, like, right? And you, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the head, like, you know, yeah. at least with football, you got equipment and stuff to brace yourself. 
But in boxing, you're literally knowing that you're going to get hit. Like, it's coming to eventually. Like, just last night watching the, um, the Davis fight, quick little uppercut, and you knocked out. So, I mean, I'm not trying to do boxing matches and stuff, but, you know, I still just want to, you know, just the sport of boxing itself, you know. Get conditioned. Just, yeah. But, yeah, you got to be so conditioned. So conditioned. Have you ever heard Mike Tyson talk about, like, how he used to condition and how he used to train? It's nah, crazy. No. Nah. But I I see it, what, 51, how he got back into shape. Yeah. So, I just know that, shoo, at 30, I need to get on it. I don't know if you're from Joe Rogan has a podcast. He had my the Joe Rogan yeah. experience. I, I'm a big fan of his. I mean, it kind of inspired this a little bit. But he had Mike Tyson on twice. Yeah, I people I Joe Rogan sometimes. the The biggest podcast that I'm really on though right now is um, the Joe Budden podcast. Really? Every time he comes on, have you, do you do you check into I've it? I've heard it a couple times. Yeah, Rory, Maul, and Joe. That's my podcast right there. Like I may not get in. in I may not get into the whole podcast because sometimes it may be three hours or so. But every time I see it on my YouTube, click you definitely get my my click. So, Joe, shout out to the Joe Budden podcast, Maul and Rory. That is definitely my favorite podcast right now. Yeah. What else do you listen to? Is it mostly sports stuff? I try to expand outside of Joe Budden podcast. That's more kind of like my cultural podcast because you know they touch social issues hip-hop things within more so my community that i that i care about um outside of that it's really is more more sports i mean sports is really, just what you do sports is really my life and you know kind of i kind of uh check out um the odd couple love cruz broussard um uh, of course uncle shay shannon undisputed uh, first take Stephen A. I kind of been falling off with first take. Like when Stephen A. and Skip was there, I was the biggest fan of Stephen A. Not to say that I'm not a fan anymore, but just Uncle Shay Shay just Shannon Sharp just gets me. He just gets me. Um, so that was really my top three uh shows podcasts that I really watch is The Odd Couple, Undisputed, First Take, and then outside of that. I'll sometimes even just watch like old games and just kind of even just break down film. And especially like earlier this year when it was no sports going on, I just caught myself watching, watching old games, watching old Super Bowls, watching old finals games. My favorite, my favorite, speaking of like my favorite, my favorite basketball player is Damian Lillard, Dame Dollar. My favorite football team, I don't really got a particular favorite football player. My favorite football team is the Oakland Raiders. My favorite basketball team is, and nobody, nobody understands, like, my favorite basketball team is the San Antonio Spurs. And that's kind of, like, underrated because everybody's, like, Lakers fans and, you know, like, Boston fans and stuff like that. Like, how the hell did you become (laughs) a San Antonio Spurs fan? And I think that was my first sporting event that I ever went to. Really? I went to San Antonio as a kid. And I I don't know if that was my first, but that was one of my first and just fell in love with it from there. I'm like, that's my team. Luckily, I picked the right team five championships later. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how many times have you watched the Jordan documentary? Uh, Once. You've only watched it once? When, yeah, I've only watched it once. But, you know, I was tuned in every single yeah. time. Um, you know, had my little drink, had my snacks. And we tuned in like it's like it's the Super Bowl. 
because that was the only thing we had earlier. So just to see just his tenacity. Oh, my goodness. Just to see, like, just his his mental makeup and how he attacked, you know, not even basketball, but just life. Like, how he brought his tenacity outside of the court into the business room and stuff. And how he's like, I'm about to make Jordan into literally the biggest thing on this planet. And he made it the biggest thing on this planet. So... I said, just that tenacity, how he overcame. I mean, of course, we all had to lose a parent, how he overcame that. And, you know, just to show that ability of that never, literally, I never say die attitude. You mm-hmm. know, I never quit attitude. Like, I'm just, I'm just amazed by that. Like, I didn't watch him, you know, growing up. I mean, I watched him, of course, but I didn't really grasp, you know, the, the sport and everything. But just kind of getting that revisionist history now that I'm of age and I can kind of understand, I'm just like, that. Eh, that man was not to be messed with. Man, I, I even how he feels about it now, when he's talking about it. Yeah, you can see you it. You can his, see it. Like when when when, <laughs> he he, when Gary when um um Gary Payton was talking about how he got switched on him, <laughs> yeah. and Jordan's like, Gary, come on now, Gary, you was good, but you can't stop me. I love stop it. Stop it. It's funny you say revisionist history because that's one of my favorite podcasts. There's this guy. His name's Malcolm Gladwell. He's uh he's a writer. And he has a podcast called Revisionist History that I listen to a lot. I'm about to check that out then. But, I'm about uh, to put that in my rotation when I go to the gym. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved, I've watched that documentary twice because I'm fascinated in exactly what you're talking about. That tenacity, that mindset that I'm going to be the best. Uh-huh. Um, and you got to have that. Yeah. You got to have that because if you don't think you're going to be the best or you don't think that, you know, yeah, there's always going to be somebody better than you. But if you don't, but in your mind, if you don't think you're the best, then you never go get anywhere because you go, you kind of get complacent. Because if you like, I'm the best and I have to work on being the best and I have to work on staying being the best. So I got to put the work in. That goes back to when we was talking about, you know, school and stuff. You got to put the work in. And if you don't put the work in, you can't be the best. If you don't put the work in, somebody is going to become better than you. And if you don't put the work in, then the spot that you have right now, you're not going to have for too much longer. Because there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to be hungrier than you. Because right now, I'm hungry. I may get to a point where I'm 50 and get complacent. There's somebody coming up that, that's just as hungry that's trying to take my spot. So even when I get older, you got to consistently just put in your mind that I'm going to be the best and I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay at the top in my position, you know, until it comes a time where I can give. And I always want to, you know, kick knowledge to the younger generation and stuff. But I don't know if I want to kick you enough knowledge that you take my spot. Like, right. You go have to work. But. You go have to work on. You can take what I give you and craft, you know, your own niche throughout your journey. But for me, I can't give you too much game that, you know, you come over <laughs> and take my spot now. But it's just, I said, it's just Jordan's on another level. Yeah. And I know it's the argument about the GOAT, but as much as I, I like LeBron. I love LeBron. But I, I love mean, him. you know, when they go into that GOAT talk, like I don't even care about the six rings because I think that's. The six and zero, because I'm like, if you talk talk about rings, then you need to be talking about um, Kareem and Russell as well. And they get lost in the shuffle. It seems like it's always just LeBron and um, LeBron and uh, Jordan. And I don't even think that's a good comparison. Like Kobe and Kobe and Jordan's the comparison you need to have, while Magic and LeBron's the comparison you need to have. Matt LeBron is a souped up Magic, like an athletic version of Magic is what LeBron is, but. I mean, LeBron had to learn to get that, you know, tenacity. Like, sometimes you may not have it. You got to you gotta evolve and grow with it. Because he came into the league. People forget this. LeBron came into the league at, what, 18? 
Yeah, he was young. Straight out of high, straight high school. Out of high school, yeah. Michael came in 21 out of UNC. He played in pressure situations. He played against top competition. He played, you know, in environments of Duke, hostile environments and stuff. So he was kind of more um, – he was more trained already for the rigors and and of what's gonna come with the NBA. While LeBron, you know, he's coming in as a kid, eighteen. I got this money out of nowhere. I'm just, you know, having my fun. And then, you know, 2011 came and the finals happened, and that's when he kind of realized, like, okay, this is like my career. This is I'm a I'm a professional basketball player. It's not fun, and I'm playing a game, but. I'm getting paid to be a professional at this game. So, you know, I feel like that's when it clicked. And ever since then, LeBron's got that. He's got that mama mentality now. He's still, you know, maybe he's still LeBron. He's still, you know, joyful and everything. But I feel like LeBron got that mama mentality now. He may not used to have it, but he has it now. I mean, he's definitely a champion. But I love what he's doing for his community. The oh, school yeah, sure. that he's building is amazing. I promise. Yeah. That's oh, what I love yeah. about LeBron, like, and the, just the way that he gives back, and and also just his mind, and the way he uses his platform to like spread a positive mm-hmm. message. Yep, like that's just so cool. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's that just goes back to kind of like you know what I want to do, just shine a light on it, and how he brought his bro- his boys with him too. Like, I'm not gonna be the only one to make it, and I'm gonna give y'all the resources. Rich, you want to do this? Okay, well I'm gonna give you the resources to do this, and. You took off and you ran with it. So, you know, it's something else that I love that, you know, me and my friends are just in so many different fields and touching like so many different avenues that, you know, hopefully once we get older, we'll be able to just give back in just a bigger way, you know, to the community. Like, are we going to be on, on a LeBron level? I miss LeBron. But, right. you know, still, on, <laughs> still on, you know, on the level that we can to still right. make an impact because, you know, if you can help one kid that's better because i used to be a little league youth football coach as well so i'm like if i can just help one kid then that's one one less kid that you know might be into some nonsense when he gets older so you know make definitely making that positive impact um off the court but when it comes to um on the court lebron's still that guy at 35 too that's amazing yeah at 35 he's still that guy he's still regarded as the best player in the league at 35 and now he's going on what 36 is it gonna be at the end of the year or is it gonna be next i don't know I so it's no gonna idea. be it's gonna be 36 going into the new season maybe <sighs> but hey i got four of them things y'all better quit y'all better quit talking about me <laughs> i got four of them i the one of the things also about jordan from the documentary that would blow my mind would be how he would pick tiny little things mm-hmm. tiny little yep. things and to just make it into a big I'm thing pissed and then he'd go in and he'd put up like seventy points. Yeah, like he'll just, uh, yeah, like um, uh, yeah, I walked past uh Gary and he threw a towel on my foot. Right, or I, or I walked past Gary and I try to dap him up, but he didn't see me. Right, I, but I know he saw me, <laughs> so I'm about to go to his head tonight. Like, no, Gary just didn't see you, but in your mind, Gary just brushed you off, and now I'm about to bust you for 40. Well, he he used it. He yep. wanted it. It was a tool. He yeah, used it. there's been times he said he just made up stuff in his head right, just to he get him it. going. That's crazy. So I guess, like, what we should talk about next is, like, well, tell people, like, how they can find your stuff. What's the best avenues to, like, get to the, the stuff that you've created? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, Social media. 
I break news on social media, 323 underscore SKP. I get emails from the um from the NFL. So every time I get a press release, I put that out there. Facebook, SK Patrick, Instagram, SK underscore Patrick 90. I said, well, I'm working on, uh, talked about it earlier. I'm working on a um, children's sports book slash financial book. Uh, hopefully it'll be out by Christmas. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to have it out by Christmas. So I've already started the rough drafts and everything. I've already contacted some illustrators. So this month is just me going super hard trying to get that book ready that for Christmas. Awesome. So, you know, when Christmas comes, hey, stocking stuffers, get yourself a book uh, for the kids. Um, SportsRadioAmerica.com. Um, every week I put out, I put my publish, publish articles um, every Saturday, you can find me on East West Football Network Facebook page, 11 to 12. I'm on the show Inside inside the Huddle with Hayden. Uh, we go over the two biggest uh, college football games of the day. Rapid Fire Session, give our picks for the rest of the day. On Sundays, uh, not every Sunday, but on Sundays, uh, Hugh Jackson um, does a review with us um, from, actually, Every Sunday, Hugh Jackson's on the show. I'm not on the show every Sunday. I'm on it every other Sunday. But, uh, you know, former head coach in the NFL, Hugh Jackson, comes on um, every Sunday. EastWestFootballNetwork.com. You can find my work on there. I do a NFL article a week and a college article a week. Um, kind of been lacking with everything has been going on. I did have a friend pass away from COVID. So, oh, my gosh, you know, like, dude. Yeah, it's real. Holy so, crap. Yeah, I got that. I got a text message from my sister like three weeks ago, and I was just like, it still don't seem real. Even, oh my you gosh. know, like all my friends, my neighborhood child, neighborhood child friend, um, everybody came back, and it just still doesn't seem real, like even at the funeral. So, like, COVID is, <laughs> COVID is real. So, uh, like I said, I'm working on my own media company, trying to get a spotlight on everybody, and I'm trying to see what else I got going on. Um, as sports uh sportskeda.com um like i said it's k e d d a sportskeda.com based out of based out of india i don't even know how i ended up hey that's all that was the most legitimate you got a lot of shit going on oh uh, yeah you yeah this is all the way legit <laughs> <laughs> and i want them you know of course i want the people to you know know what i have going on know what i got trying to uh you know bring positivity to the community uh, trying to shine and the light on my friends as well, what they got going on. Hell so yeah. I think that's it. I think that's all I got going on. So hopefully 2021, I can really kind of take hold of it because 2020, I had so many ideas and so many moves I was I was about to make because I moved to Nashville. Nashville just didn't work in my favor. But I learned from the experiences down there, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, it kind of prepared me for what I thought was going to be a great 2020. But still, 2020, I learned some lessons out of there that's going to prepare me for a great 2021 as I now enter my 30s. And 30s just hit different, too. Yeah. <laughs> 30, hit, 30 hit. I'm cool with 30 now. Yeah. When I first turned 30, I was just, I was kind of like, I'm not where I want to be. So I kind of was like, I don't know. Maybe if it wasn't COVID, it would have hit different because I was supposed to go to L.A. for my 30th birthday. And I was in Louisville, Kentucky on a rainy, drizzly day over my sister's eating chips. 
<laughs> not how I want to spend my 30th. Then I went over to my friend's house. You know, he popped a bottle for me and we, you know, had a few drinks with him and his wife. But it wasn't it wasn't L.A. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't L.A. But 30s definitely. I feel like I had a great run in my 20s. Don't get me wrong. Like I learned a lot in my 20s. Uh, relationship-wise, financially-wise, um, you know, academic, school-wise, professionally. Like, I feel like I learned a lot that's going to get me, you know, right and tight into my early 30s. But when I first turned 30, I just felt like I had no energy. I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. I was down in myself. And as I look back and, you know, like I had this conversation with my mother. She said, she was just like, I'm so proud of you. Like, what are you talking about? I was just like, she's like, that's your issue there. You too down on yourself. Like, you don't look at the positives of what you do. You don't ever take a step back and appreciate what you've done. You always trying to say, I need to do this. I need to do that. Well, what about what you've done to even get to this point? She was like, are you on ESPN? No, but. I just saw a Facebook show with Hugh, with you and Hugh Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. what, what are you talking about? You've done press conferences with, you know, some of the top basketball, football players. And like, what is what is the issue? No, you're not on ESPN. There may be people that's younger than you that's already there. But you got to appreciate, you got to appreciate the, your process. Mm-hmm. Like, not even just the process. You got to yeah. appreciate your process. You could have gotten in trouble. You could have, you know, you was around some you know, early in your twenties, you was around, you know, to people you shouldn't have been around. But look how you build yourself up from that. So you only thirty. I you know, like people I really feel like people need to stop acting like thirty is old because we still literally in the prime of our lives. Yeah. You know, mid twenties to mid thirties is literally the prime of our lives. So she's like, You thirty? She said, you know, five year plan. What's your five year plan? You know, like you have a plan now in your 20s in your early 20s. You didn't have a plan in your mid 20s. You had a plan. Now that you're 30, you're doing exactly what you said you wanted to do. Now you just got to build on it and get to the level that you want to. But you're doing exactly what you're doing this podcast right now. Mm. Like you're doing exactly what you said you wanted to do. So you just need to, you know, stay on it and keep grinding until you get to that point. So thanks, mama. (laughs) Yeah, it's good advice. I'll tell you what I got planned off this podcast but thank you so much for coming and doing this man this i appreciate was a blast. you my guy i haven't seen you in i said we was talking about it early in what like 12 years it's so. at least 12 years yeah so we're young we're getting we're getting old but we're still young hell yeah but I, dude i appreciate you coming out it was a blast having you over and i'm gonna share all your shit everything that i can find of yours i'm gonna share it on the facebook yeah, page i'll send you uh i'll send you everything yeah so yeah appreciate that a- anything that you send me i'll make sure i share it to the facebook page and uh this was a blast. Thank you so yeah, much. I appreciate you, my guy. All right. All right. Bye. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, another fantastic episode of Just Friends in the Books. How entertaining was Steve? I mean, come on. Such a great storyteller. Such a funny guy. And such a genuine, honest perspective. I loved my conversation with him. I really appreciated just hanging out with him for the couple of hours that we got to hang out. And I hope I get to do it again soon because it was a blast. Make sure you're checking out all of Steven's stuff. Remember Sports Radio America. Remember EastWestFootballNetwork.com. 
Make sure you check out the East West Football Podcast, where Steven is featured every other week. And make sure you check out all that other stuff that he mentioned, because he had quite the list. He was definitely the most prolific guest that we've had on so far. So be sure to check out his stuff, show him some love, support him in any way possible, because he is a really cool guy. I'll ask you all once again to check out the Facebook page, check out the Instagram page, and head over to JustFriendsPod.com, buy a t-shirt, read the articles, and then click the support the show button and head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Mitch Bakes Podcasts. And while you're at it, become a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you can support the show. Right now, Patreon fully pays for my subscription that hosts the podcast and the subscription that hosts the website. So I'm almost breaking even, which is awesome. And I couldn't have done it without your all's help. You guys are the best. I love you and I appreciate you. And every new patron helps. So consider checking that out, guys. I would love you if you do. Don't forget to tune in next week to another great episode of Just Friends Podcast. Until then, as always, make sure you're taking care of yourselves. Be kind to one another. And know that I love and appreciate every single one of you. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye.